0: Hi, and welcome back to Spatulas and Speculations. I am your unofficial Professor Lily, and this is the Unofficial SJM 101, and today we're doing a very exciting episode because we're going to be talking about the Illyrians. So, um... There's going to be spoilers for the entire SJM universe because I am me, and I like to talk about everything. So if you have not finished Host save this, follow me, come back, and join the conversation when you're done. If you don't want minor um, world-building spoilers for Throne of Glass, save this, follow me, come back, and join the conversation when you're done. And quite obviously, if you have not read all of ACOTAR, save this, follow me, join the conversation when you are done. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the Illyrians. I'm really excited for this because... I'm always excited. I'm, a- I'm always excited about everything, but I'm really excited because a lot of the Illyrian history and the important things in the Illyrians, um, settlements, area, the night court, um, really does have to do with that ending of House of Sky and Breath. Again, if you have not finished reading House of Sky and Breath, save this bomb, come back and join the conversation when you are done. Um, but because, um, we learn one of the one of the very few names that we get about the history of, like, the Daglin and stuff and, and that time period, um, is Analius. and Analius was one of the, quote-unquote, first Illyrians, and he, it, they, we don't really know if it was he, but whatever, um, they were, um, put into deityhood, um, put into god-like status, so, um, that's really why I want to talk about that and really just kind of um, go through them because there's a few reasons why that pertain to Hosab and we're we'll, we're gonna get into it as we go along. But so yeah, we're gonna do that. But before we go any further, uh, we're gonna through through our warnings. I don't speak for Sarah. I don't speak for Bloomsbury. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. These are my notes. I'm human. I might miss things. I'm currently in the middle of my Akatara reread, so like, there's a good chance that. I might miss something, but I try not to. But if I do, just have grace for me. Um, and then, yeah. And then also, what other warnings do I do? Oh, I may pronounce things wrong. We're going to um, be talking about, like, you know, mountain ranges and stuff like that. I'm going to do my best to pronounce them correctly, but I have never done the Akhtar audios, so I really should. Uh <laughs> Because it's important. Um, And I think that's it for warnings. I think uh, today's episode, I just wanted to like, I just really want to dive into it. So I'm not even going to be spewing any kind of uh, BS today. I just want to get into it and and go. So the thing about the Illyrians is um, that I think I first want to talk about is when we learn about them, the first meeting that we have, which is an Akamath. Um, is really because of Cas and As. So, when we're going through, I guess this is a warning in itself, when we're going through this, it's really important to note that when I was doing these notes, I really tried to separate the Cassian and As of it to literally just the generalization of the Illyrians because Cassian and Azriel are literally the exception to to all of the rules. Like, they are, they are separated from the, like, Cassian, maybe not so much as for sure, but, like, they are just leagues different than the the rest of the Illyrians. Like, they don't live in the same area. They don't, they are, I mean, not even considerably more powerful, but, like, literally seven times more powerful than even the most powerful Illyrian. Um, They all have bigger wingspans than all the other Illyrians. So, like, everything that when we when we get a lot of information about the Illyrians, it's kind of important to um to to step back and be like, okay, is this all Illyrians or is it just the Cassian and Asriel exception? Because they are just so powerful. They are just so different. Which is something we could talk about on a different day, a different time. But for this particular episode, I really wanted to just do like the generalization of Illyrians. Um obviously there is some Cassian stuff in here because like I said, most of the information we get about the Illyrians is pertaining to Cass- Cassian and Az, or about, like, Reese's childhood. Um, and I really, like I said, I really tried hard to, like, separate them from that. Take the bad boy, bad boys out of the equation, put them in a corner. They can play with each other, like, by themselves. We're just going to focus on the Illyrians. The other thing I want to note is <clears throat> I'm not going to talk too much about, like, the injustices of the Illyrians, and I and I'm not going to for for two reasons. One, I don't think there's anything you need to. I, it's bad. Abuse of women is bad. Like, do I need to say that for you to to believe? I I, I grew up in a Illyrian-esque like um, environment, culture, um, heavily religious, you know, that kind of thing. So like, I get what's going on here. Emery is my favorite Valkyrie for a reason. (laughs) Um, She's probably my favorite character in Akasif for a reason. Uh, So I don't really feel like I need to say anything. Um, But I'm not saying anything because, like, I'm disregarding it or I don't think it's important. I do think it's important. But the second reason is because, and this is something that Cassian really tries to, like, underline and highlight. And I kind of feel bad for him because of the way that Azriel is so vehemently against them and, like, as he has his right to be that way, um, but I do think that Asriel, if he has a right to see it this way, I'm not, like, you guys know me, I love Asriel, it's like, to the core, but as he does have a tunneled vision of them through trauma, he has his trauma blinders on and that is 100% fair, but... I think what's really important is to look at how Cassian and how Reese's mom viewed them. And that's really what I tried to do when building this episode. Because Cassian went through the worst of the Illyrians and so did Reese's mom. Well, I guess like, a little bit caveated. She was saved. And when I was looking at them, like generalized, you know, just trying to see it through Cassian and and Reese's mom's perspective. The Illyrians are ferociously beautiful. They are ferociously beautiful people. There's just something, I don't know if it's because, like, I lean towards, like, Norse mythology and um, like, Viking, you know, lore and stuff like that, like, there is something beautiful in the brutality of them, in the sense that these people train so rigorously, they are, you know, they, they make a point when, during Akawar, when Pharah is talking about how she wants to learn and fight, like, with the Illyrians in the sky, and, Asriel and Cassian and and Reese too are kind of, like, there's so much trust in those lines that can only come from years and years of training. Like, I feel bad that we, in a way, that, like, when we see the blood right, um, it was tainted by Briellen, and, like, you know, how they were uh, you know brainwashed because i truly don't think if they weren't brainwashed to some extent um, some men are men <laughs> but not all men are men you know i really do think that some of them would have put their foot down as you see with like um with balthazar um like there is a sanctity to them like they're brutal they're bloodthirsty but like there is like a sanctity and a sacredness to them that i think is is truly beautiful in a way and I think that's what Cassian is trying to highlight is like there's so much honor and pride that you get through surviving as an Illyrian in a weird way in a weird way and I I don't think I can poetically articulate this thought that I have that I had especially when I was kind of like nitpicking through the Illyrians um, part to play that they did in the war But, like, can we, like, they, they were the ones who lost, I mean, maybe aside from the summer court, lost the most in the war. And, like... They are treated like you know they right again rightfully so. It's so hard to like balance these thoughts, and I think Reese kind of feels the same way as he's like, they gave so much, we still need them, but also there's still some horrible stuff that goes on with them, and I'm trying to change it, but I'm also trying to keep their respect, and like he he's on this balancing act, and Cass is on one end of the spectrum, and azzy is on the other because Azriel even says, and I guess if let's just kill them all, because that solves everything. <laughs> But I think even, like, Emery um, feels the same way that Cassian does in the sense of, like, she feels a sense of, uh, like, you know, how easy would it be for Emery to leave Illyria now that she has friends in the night court? Like, but she she kind of chooses not to, right? Like, she chooses to keep her store and her home because it's her store and it's her home and she is an Illyrian And she did win the blood right. I don't know. I think there is just something that I I, kind of just wanted to, like, preference and say before we, like, get into it. Is, like, I'm not disregarding the atrocities that the Illyrians do commit. But I don't want that to be the only thing people think about when it comes to them. Because if you really look at them, like, especially in the battle. Like, I was kind of, like, moved with how beautiful in a way that it, it, it is, and I don't romanticize war at all, but, like, just seeing the trust that these these people have and, you know, how resilient they are, just the fact that they're, they're fighting the weather and they're fighting, like, uh, the culture and all this stuff, and yet they come out as these, like, you know, true legends, like, they're known throughout the world for being, like, the most, you know, hardened, exceptional warriors and there's something to that that I think um, we can't just, like, can't completely toss under the rug because there are bad ones in the ranks. You know what I mean? So that's all That's all I want to say on that um, before we move on to the rest of the episode. Hi, this is Lillian in the future. I've recorded this episode a week ago. I was editing and realized I did not... I did not record the real world inspiration to the Illyrians, so I'm I'm doing that now, and poof, the magic of editing and post, you won't even know. except for the fact that I'm telling you that I forgot, and that's why this episode is going to be late today. Um, sh- sh- Illyria, and we've t- we've t- we've talked quite a bit about Illyria, like Parthos and all that stuff, and how like they do interconnect, and how they are real world things. Um, I did further diving into them, and to be honest, the history of Illyria is a little bit wishy-washy, um, mostly because, like, ancient Greek Roman, um, kind of just attributed, like, most of the tribes and settlements north of them, um, to just be Illyrians, um, when that's not really like quite accurate, like those, those ancient tribes and settlements probably wouldn't have called themselves Illyrians. But so Illyrian was a general term for a lot of ancient tribes, but mostly, um, where a lot of the history and where even, um, people speculate that the Albanian language, um, could have been ancient Illyrian languages. So, um, a more closer pinpoint to ancient Illyria would be modern day Albania, which is north of Greece. Um, the very first Illy- uh, named Illyrian um, in, in legend and, and history and myth that kind of all convoluted was Illyrius. And it was they—they they were said to have been left by a river named Illyrian, and they were found and raised by a serpent, which I actually found really interesting, which is why it's in my notes. Because we know that the Illyrians have those scales and wings, which um, I do talk about later in the episode. Um, so there is that little core piece of information. Funnily enough, so our Illyrians in SJM are sky people; they are the wind, um, but real-world Illyrians were considered seafaring people and pirates. Interesting choice on SJM's part. Uh, Speaking of SJM, I do think she must have seen their, um, there was, like, a picture of an Illyrian helmet, which kind of looked like a Roman Greek helmet without the little broom on top, whatever those are called. (laughs) I don't think they're really called brooms. Um, But they were, like, rounded with a cheek guard, um, which is very similar to how Thera um says that they look like in the war cassian as and reese wear their own separated helmets which are the raven's feathers which is super sexy just saying um which i did not add into this episode because again they are separated uh so i think sjm must have done quite a bit of research on the illyrians because i will say this i was looking at there's like lists of like um ancient illyrian settlements or what might have been ancient illyrian settlements and a lot of the names they're not they're not you know identical but they are fairly close different spellings um maybe a little bit added words there was one like that looked kind of like thanatos that one that looked kind of like apollyon one that looked kind of like um um corinth-esque uh which is very similar to Corinth, which i think is how it's one of the stars are, are named um there is Kosovo, which is um, uh, tied in, which is a real place, also ties into a place in Crescent City. Um, obviously, Parthos is um, tied to, to Illyria, so there is that. And then I wanted to also note uh, that the Illyrians they worshipped a lot of um, different, you know, pagan um, gods or different, you know elemental gods, uh, they used a lot of, like, animals, symbols, stuff like that, and a few other, like, um, geometric shapes, but, like, nothing felt, like, concrete enough for me to, like, actually note it. Again, a lot of the, you know, recorded history of the, of, like, Illyrians, like, specifically, is a bit wishy-washy, because it's not really, like, uh, uh, the Greeks were just kind of be, like, they're all Illyrians! Ah! (laughs) And, most of the people were like, I don't think we really were, and, but it was so long ago that we don't really have that much, like, recorded whatever. So anyways, but I did note that in, in the thing that they were talking about for, like, religious practices and stuff like that was that they ha- they used the evil eye as an amulet, and that was really common in, like, Illyrian culture, uh, which the evil eye does look a lot like the eye of Elena and an amulet siphons do I even do I even need to so that's all I wanted to say to that and then yeah okay so that was me future me hi okay sorry for that for me cutting in to myself and that's all I have to say on like the name Illyrian doesn't like have any different kind of meaning it's literally just like a tribes. Um, there is a ton of information on them, but like I said, it was all felt really, really really wishy washy. Um, I might do a little more deep diving if I have more time later on, um, to kind of like dig in deeper on that. But for now I just wanna be like there's a good chance that future books that she might pull from that list of like ancient tribes and names. I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, is what I'm gonna say. Okay. We get two, um, one, two, one piece of information about the history of Illyrians, um, outside of Analias and I don't know if I really want to talk too much about Analias because we have talked about him in depth, them, before, um, but I, what I really want to point out is, it says in, uh, hmm, what chapter is it, right there, um, it says in Akafas 3 that, Who had put the stone atop the peak talking about Ramil? Again, I don't know if I really want to talk about Ramil or, like, Arctos and, you know, all of the stars because we have talked about them in depth and I think I might do a episode more dedicated to, like, important, um, for each three series, like, really important things and do that, like, per series right before Fast comes out. So I think I'm just going to leave that as that. Um... But we learn in this chapter that he's kind of questioning... Well, he's not questioning, because it's Cassian. (laughs) He's telling me that there are questions, but he didn't care about them. That's what he's doing, and it makes me... It makes me... Like, don't even think about the questions then, Cassian. But I know it's Sarah saying you should think... Like, it's so... It's so Inception-esque, because it's like... Cassian's, like, saying these are questions that I haven't thought about, but you know it's Sarah going... These are questions you should be thinking about, but I'm not going to tell you the answer. But I want you to think about them. Do, you, do you know how? Frust- do, you, do you hear the frustration in my voice? Like, mm-hmm. so, anyways, <clears throat> who had put the stone atop the peak? He didn't know either. Legend had said it had existed before the Night Court formed, before the Illyrians migrated from the Meridians, before humans had even walked the Earth. Even with the fresh snow-crusting Ramil, none of it touched the Pillar of Stone. So, earlier in War 47, we actually get this meridian um, is a mountain range that is between the night court and the day court. The sun is a star. Shh. <laughs> Um, it's no, I will guess I'll just say it, um, because I've said it before. I have two theories when it comes to the Illyrians, um, and they might even be one and the same. Uh, Rigilus talks about in the, in, in Hosab 73 about the prototypes to the angels that their siblings had on Perithian, an ancient, uh, a race of, uh, fearsome warriors There is a lot of debate whether that is the Seraphim or the Illyrians. And uh, for me, personally, when I first read it, and and still when I read it the second time, my brain immediately jumps to the Illyrians. um, Because it's not what the Asteri created, like Rigelus created. It's what his siblings created that they had seen or heard of. And they were like, well, we want our own. And they built their own. So it wasn't even like the angels, like they they plucked an Illyrian and brought it to Midgard. Like, that's not what it sounds like at all. It sounds like they heard about what their siblings were doing and they wanted to do it too. So it was like the idea that they, they kind of boosted off of. Um, we don't know where the Daglin um, kind of ruled the roost in Perithian. Um, we know that the Night Court is heavily influenced by the Wild Hunt in their, like, sculptures and stuff. But if you look at the map of Perithian, like, Night Court and Day Court do border each other, and there is a mountain range in between them. That is the Meridians. Um, if I'm pronouncing that right, I don't know. But, um, and that's where the Illyrians were first housed, but then they moved for some unknown reason to Ramil, which is the heart of the Night Court. It says it right here, Ramil, the sacred mountain, the heart of not only Illyria, but of the entirety of the Night Court. None was permitted on its barren rocky slopes, save for the Illyrians, and only once a year at that, during the blood rite. Now, the reason why I think the Illyrians were the ones to raise up against the Daglan is because when we learn about the history of Ramil, of Analias alias the blood right. and i know i said i wasn't gonna talk about it but i guess i'm going to um we learn that Analias held the line for three days against the a long ago in akasif 68 long ago so long that they don't even have a precise date for it a great war was fought between the fey and the ancient beings who oppressed them one of its key battles was here in these mountains our forces were battered and outnumbered and for some reason our enemy was desperate to reach the stone at the top of ramiel we were never taught the reason why. I think it's been forgotten. But a young, or forcibly forgotten, you know? But a young Illyrian warrior named Anaelius held the line against the enemy soldiers for days, three days specifically. He found a natural archway of stone, hmm, sus, and amongst the tangle of boulders and made that his bottleneck. He died in the end, but he held the enemy off long enough for our allies to reach us. This right is all that we have to honor him. So, when Ragulus is talking in 73, and this is just going off of my bare memory, he talks about how there was a prototype to the angels, and they were created by their siblings, the Asteri, the Asteri siblings, and they teamed up with the Fae. So, he held the line, an Illyrian held the line before their allies, they allied with the Fae, they turned against their creators. Allied with the Fey until they arrived, to defeat the Daglan. Does not does that not like sound like it parallels exactly with what happened with an alias between what happened in uh, Hoseb seventy three. The sun is a star. We know that the Day Court has some. We know that the, the, the starborn day court, all these light powers kind of seem to intertwine with each other. Um, now the Asteri's power is kind of up for grabs. Like all this stuff Bryce even says, like the sun is a star. What does that mean about the starborns and the Asteri? It's a question Sarah purposely brings up in the books. Um, the fact that the Illyrians were originally near the day court moved specifically to a freaky mountain. And the Illyrians have these weird swirls and swirls tattoos. Remember, whirls and swirls, especially in Queen of Shadows, when Aelin paints her body in whirls and swirls, they were protection and wards that she used against Valgdorian. And then, so they have these tattoos that are basically ward marks. Explain to me how Truth Teller (laughs) has... Illyrian runes on it right and yet it's not technically it might not actually be an Illyrian weapon because it's a made item because a Goodian. Uh, what do you mean Illyrians have their own runes hmm hmm sounds like word marks to me but anyways so they they moved from the Meridians to this freaky mountain that Apparently, nobody's been underneath, even though all the other two sacred mountains have stuff underneath them. <laughs> Literally, even just thinking about this is like raising my blood pressure. Um, so and then they they have magic one night a one one week a year, one night a year, where they get to perform a rite, just like the rites that they perform in midgard. That has to do with like first light and death and all that great stuff, and the people are dying on this mountain. People who might or might not have magic. I, I will believe that there is nobody down underneath that mountain feeding off of second light, first light. When Sarah J. Mass throws a book at my head and tells me not, that it's different. Probably in Hofas. Probably in Hofas. So it's my belief. That the Illyrians put ward marks on their bodies and they are, they stationed the most fearsome warriors around Ramil so that should something wake up, get out from underneath Ramil, what's the first thing it's going to greet? The entire planet's <laughs> most fearsome warriors with ward marks on their bodies. Come on now, come, come on now. Because you know what happened? They did that in Throne of Glass. When they put Erwin's tomb thing, they put him in a mountain. And then they housed a a warrior people right on top of it. So that should he wake up was the first thing he would have woken up to. It would have been warriors. (laughs) It makes me like, it makes my head like drain of blood. And like, like, through my feet, and then like all of my sanity just like sweeps away in the flood. Head empty, no thoughts, just like. Am I a joke to you, Sarah? Like, <clears throat> the swirls and whirls is what really gets me. Like, that, like the whole thing with like Aylin painting her body, and it was swirls and whirls in like that exact terminology, and it was protection ward marks made in blood. And like, what's even more fascinating is that. The Illyrian tattoos are not black. They're actually black-blue. Which is, like, which blood? Like, mm, uh, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> <sighs> I'm, like, f- like my mouth is, like, f- bubbling a little <laughs> Like, foaming at the mouth. Like, literally feral a little bit. Just thinking about all this. Hmm. <sighs> and why? Okay, so that was... So, so, one of the same theories. The Assyria create, or the Daglan created the, the, um, the Illyrians, right? My other, like, theory that kind of, like, feeds into this is that Illyrians are essentially, essentially, if not, male witches. And there's a reason why I think that, and the real reason why I think that is because of their powers. So, the witches hear this the call of the wind, um or the the Song of the Wind, I think that's what it's called. And in Akamath, Asriel says, we are born hearing the Song of the Wind. They feel this need to fly. And that is the same with the witches. They have this need to fly. They have this ability to fly. The witches don't have wings, but they do have a magic ability to fly with brooms, which is never explained, Um, but it is there. But the witches have a power inside of them. And for some reason, which kind of like baffles me is that they've never really learned. So it's a gift that comes from the mother, right? That's what they say. Um, And it can kind of come in different colors and different strengths, um, which we also learn is a reflection of the dark heart within them. Something like that, that Manon talks about, um, which is the Yieldling. But we learn in Akama 14, it's one of the first things we really learn about the Illyrians is that they wear these things called siphons. And the siphon is used because of this. The power of stronger Illyrians tend towards incinerate now, ask questions later. They have little magical gifts beyond that. The killing power. And then they say, the Illyrians bred the power to give them advantage in battle. Yes, the siphons filter that raw power and allow Cassian and Azrael to transform it into something more subtle and varied, into shields and weapons, arrows and spears. Imagine the difference between hurling a bucket of paint against a wall and using a brush. A bucket of paint against the wall, like the Yieldling? Hello? Hello? The siphons allow for the magic to be nimble, precise in battle. When it's in its mat- most natural state, it lends itself towards something far more messier and unrefined, and potentially dangerous when you're fighting in tight quarters. They end up going on to say in Aquawar 56, it says sometimes found their marks and shred it. So the, the siphon power, um, it like shreds flesh from bone, basically melts it, which is pretty similar to the Yieldling. Pretty similar, I would say. And that in Acaphas seven it says siphons to the raw killing power most illyrians possessed and channeled through their stones to keep them from destroying everything in its path, the bearer included hello, the yieldling <laughs> that's kind of like why i and also we never actually see a male witch in throne of glass, which I always found really suspicious because they have them, but they keep them hidden away. <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't fight in the war at all. Where were, what, why did they hide them? Like, the only reason I could think of that they hide them is, like, because they have wings or some, I, I, you know, does that, is that insane? Is that wild? I don't know why, but, like, that's something that I just, like, believe in my core. And because the witches are Valg X Fae, like, it sounds something that could have also occurred Should someone have mixed something very similar with High Fae and something Valg-like, you know, whatever's on Perithian? Like, it might not be, like, it might be the same, like, what I'm trying to say is it could be the formula for a witch that happened with the Illyrians. My biggest question, and I'm going to talk more about the particulars of their power in a second, but, like, now that I'm thinking about it and, like, the witches and whatnot... There's, like, a similarity between the witches and the Illyrians, except they're flipped sides. So, like, the witch, the female witches are more powerful. The Illyrian males are more powerful. And then there's also, like, the healers aspect of this. And then at, in Tower of Dawn, like, they're, the healers have this bright power, light thing that comes from the mother. The witches have a bright power, whatever, that comes from the mother. Except you know, obviously the healers heal and the witches explode. Um, but there are rare male healers in Tower of Dawn, but it's rare. So it's the same as with the witches. There are male witches, but they're rare. So it's the same thing. And then obviously, um, in Crescent City, witches, they're witches and healers, and they also have males, but they are rare as well. So then it's like cross between it's oh, it's like this web of things that are like, and I'm trying to singular focus. My question, my biggest question is. Are they trying to seriously tell me that never in the Illyrian history has a woman had this power or is it that the women don't know they have this power and they've never been taught to channel it explode it anything like that like it seems wild to me like 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 exceptionally wild to me that not like there wasn't even just one genetic mishap not one singular female like that's it that's why I love my 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 I love my own theory Oh my goodness that was so egotistical Lillian. One of my favorite like personal like little theories that I have is that Reese's mom's family ring that she passed down was actually a siphon for a female. Like that's probably like one of my personal like they kept it hidden. Like the women in Reese's like maybe women in general do have this power and some of them like secretly found like little siphons. To how, like, to do it in, like, that's that's my personal favorite, like, little theory. Um, like, off to the side of everything. And also, I've talked about how, like, the missing daughter could be Illyrian. Well, the Illyrians have this, like, raw light power, starborn light power, blast things. I mean, all kind of it all kind of like sh- it, it all could trickle together, like, it could not but also could like at the same time, you know, I would love, I would love for Emery to get a siphon or eight <laughs> or eight <laughs> just so that she can be one above the boys because I am a girl's girl and I would think it would funny. I would, I would think it'd be funny if Moore's mate, because I'm convinced that Moore and Emery are mates, um, had eight siphons. I think it would be funny. Just saying. (laughs) Okay. So, along with, you know, this power, we learn, this is my favorite, this is kind of like my favorite piece of information, is that in Acoma 45, it says, um, they each wore siphons of varying colors on the backs of their hands, stones smaller than Azrael and Cassians, and only one, not the seven apiece, like my two friends that wore to manage their tremendous power. And then we also see in War 56, shields Cassian bellowed from the front line, one by one by one, because of course it's three, shields of red and blue and green flickered into life around the Illyrians and their weapons, overlapping like scales of a fish, overlapping like solid metal overlapping like the solid metal shields they each bore on their left arms, locking into place from ankle to shoulder. So the Illyrian siphons aren't just red and blue. They can be different colors. And again, like tying, like not to like keep tying them back to the witches, but like it kind of sounds like it's a reflection of one's inner self. Like Cassians is always described as like an ember, warmth, like, like, um like the heart of a flame kind of thing. Um, like his own beating heart even too. And then Asriel's is always this cold, icy, um, like it also like a flame as well. He, I think, um, as he even does, I know he does in the war. Um, he, when he's going to fight in the end, uh, he goes to fight on the ground. He like flies over and he trails behind him a blue flame from his siphon, like kind of just burning as he goes around. <laughs> um, so, as is always like cold. So I really, it sounds like it's a like a reflection of one's like inner color, <laughs> inner soul color. I feel like mine would be purple. I think Reese's would be purple as well. Reese does have Illyrian um, that Illyrian power, but it's inconsequential when compared to his other power, because he did try to use a siphon, but he kept breaking them. But it does say that he has the Illyrian power as well, but it's just, like, like, it's a lot, but, like, compared to, like, the abyss of no end and no beginning of his High Lord power, it's, like, nothing. So he doesn't use one. But I did did find that really interesting, because I never really picked up that, like, it wasn't that he was trying to funnel his High Lord power through a siphon. He did have Illyrian power that's not the point. Anyways, I said I wasn't gonna, like, I said I wasn't gonna talk about the boys, and yet here I am talking about the boys. The other thing, and we have talked about this, I think we even talked about it with the Asriel, um, when we talked about As, um, is that their siphons, this is not explained. This is a, this is a yada yada I think, on Sarah's part, to some extent. Um, so when Fera first sees them, they only have. They both each have two siphons atop their hands, and then when she sees them in the court of nightmares, that's when she realizes how powerful they are because she sees all seven of them. But they can kind of make their. I don't know if it's pocket realm. I have no idea what it is, and it's not explained. But you can see it here in Akama fifty eight when Valaris goes under attack. This is like this. This scene. This scene. Like. I don't even know. There's no words for the feeling that I feel. But it says, What the hell is that? He murmured. Tapping the siphon on each hand with a finger, I gaped as scaled black armor began unfolding and slithering up his wrists, his arms, replacing the tunic that had been there. Layer after layer, coating him like a second skin, blowing up his shoulders. Additional siphons appeared, and more armor spread across his back, his shoulders, down his chest, and waist. I blinked, and it had covered his legs and then his feet. Um, no, like, head empty, no words, uh, other than what? 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 Where, where is it? What is it? Like a second skin. Is it a second skin? Like, I'm literally picturing Tony Stark, <laughs> which, Sarah J Maas is a Marvel girlie, but she said she had <clears throat> been behind. Like, she had not watched Endgame or Infinity War when she had, was writing, how, like, How Skybread, like, she was behind on the movies. And then she watched them, and she was like, huh? A multiverse, huh? Like... That's weird. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, she could have watched earlier ones, but, like, Tony Stark, like, when he he taps his little chest thingy, remember his armor, like like, spider monkeys off of him. And I think even that happens with, like, T'Challa as well, and Black Panther. I'm picturing the same thing. But with the Illyrians, the thing that gets me is, like, is how s- it's scaled. All of their armor is scaled, like serpents. And I think Feyre even, like, likens them to the serpents that are on the, quote-unquote, gates of eternity in the Night Court. And then we learn that Rhys's High Lord form is, is, one of, is the serpents. And his wings are, like, basically the same in his High Lord form. And they have the little apex thingy, the sharpened little talony thingy. Like... Nope. Uh, f- I'm talking out loud, so my brain is also processing things. Um, so Ap- Apollyon has similar wings to to the Illyrians, to the Batboys, to Reese. So oh, did I just say Reese? Oh my goodness. It's a sickness. I have Hunty baby, Azzy baby, and now we have Reese. This is a sickness. Someone stop me. This is unprofessional and gross. I need to be stopped. So, Reese has, like, a beast form, right? We know that the princes of hell have, like, other forms. Oh, this is going to feed into that, like, Reese is the sixth prince of hell theory, isn't it? I don't have that theory. I don't have that belief. I feel like we would have known by now if he was, like, popping off to hell every once in a while. <laughs> I feel like we would know if he was the prince of hell. Um, would it, I mean, but if it, if it did happen in the books, like, would I be, like... I wouldn't be upset about it, but I would be kind of confused because we do have Reese's perspective. And he we know how old he is, like, uh I don't know. <sighs> Same with, like, I mean, if it's your theory, it's your theory. And, and I, I mean, obviously, I just kind of, like, added some fuel to it. But could Apollyon, like, have, I've said, like, Apollyon's beast form maybe being, like, a wyvern or, you know, something like that. Because like when they say he devoured, uh, serious like it sounds like he literally ate them. You could do that in a gigantic beast form, couldn't you? And then you have like, but then again, like the Daglin were commanding the the beast. It's it's so confusing sometimes. It really is so confusing sometimes when you like think about the Night Court and the Wild Hunt and like all the Valig-like creatures. And then you have like the princes of Hell that also mimic the Val. Like it is it's a it's like a whole a whole big old mess. And the only person who has the answers is Sarah and like we're not getting those until January 30th. So sometimes I'm like why do I even bother? I bother because it's kind of fun, you know. It's 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 kind of fun to be frustrated about a book. <laughs> Am I secretly an addict? Like Maybe. So, yeah. Um the freaking scales. The freaking scales. Like that's It comes from where? Does Cassian have access to the pocket realm? Like, is it, like, shifting? Do we ever get any information, even when we're in Cassian's perspective? No. No. I'm kind of bummed, because I think the first, like, the first first, like, even probably before the first draft of, like, Atkissip, because Sarah was writing, like, like, essentially fan fiction for... Um, Nesta and Cassian when she was writing Akamath, I want to even say it was Acomath. Um but I wonder if like the first thought that she had was that Cassian and, and Nesta would most of their story would take place in Illyria and it's kind of like you can kind of see that in like Acomath and in Akawar because they always describe Nesta as an Illyrian they're like she's as cold-blooded as any Illyrian, she acts like an Illyrian, she thinks like an Illyrian, all this stuff, and, like, even, like, the first part of if they were trying to train in Illyria, and I'm, like, really bummed, in a way, that they didn't, and I think, like, the reason why they didn't, it was, was because of the House of Wind, and, like, because of the library, and, like, how that was gonna, is gonna play later, like, in the crossover, and all that stuff, um, and they needed, like, somebody there to, like, plot forward, info dump, that kind of stuff. Um, And we wouldn't have had that if she was in Illyria. But I am bummed because I feel like if we had a whole book set in Illyria, we would have gotten a ton more information on them. And we didn't. And so we didn't. And I'm bummed about that. So they make like a point to talk about in, you know, Acomaf 14, which is probably one of my favorite chapters in the SGM universe, um, outside of Chapter 73 of House Sky Breath. Um, But that's because we just get so much information, like, just about everything and everyone in general. But one of the things that we learn about them is, they say, Illyrians are certainly not high fae and glowed out of it. He hooked his black hair behind an ear, rounded, as mine had been. And we're not lesser fairies, though some might try to call us that. We're just Illyrians, considered expendable ethereal uh cavalry for the night court at the best of times mindless soldiers and grunts at the worst um and then they go on to say that they're obsessed with their lineage and have their own princes and lords among them i find that really interesting um that they have like their own princes and lords uh, cuz just I guess, that's an interesting term like lords i would get but princes who are they like the Illy- what I think bothers me is sometimes when I'm doing these kind of episodes is, like, you know, the Illyrians are crucial to the victory of Perithian. And yet we know so little about the crucial people. <laughs> um, and it's just because, like, I, I love world building and I-, and I love information. And if Sarah wrote, you know, thousand page, you know, bland ass book about like her world building and all of her people and all this stuff you bet your bottom dollar i'd be feet giggling kicking mouth foaming the entire time um so i don't think it's like anything against sarah like obviously there are people who don't like that kind of stuff and they get upset when like you know books have like quote-unquote lulls um i don't i would read like 25 pages of someone describing a room um it's just kind of who I am. I, I just like content in books. Um, some content, obviously, like not everything, but like if it's a series that I'm really interested in, and like it has a rich world, then I am. I would. I wouldn't care, um, just because I'm so interested in in the dynamics and the in and the multifacetedness of world building in certain books. And this is most certainly one of those books. Um, but they're they're not considered Fey. They're you know they don't consider themselves Fey. They have rounded ears. Again, with the, the throne of... <laughs> witches! They're not they they're not bald, They just sort of are. They got rounded ears. Um, the only difference is, like, obviously the witches have their claws and their teeth. Um, I mean, Cassian has, like, a weird... upset like, Well... <clears throat> all of the Illyrian boys have obsessions with, like, biting necks. Um, but so did Tamlin. So, but... That's all of it. But, like... Oh! I'm so mad at myself, I forgot! Because <laughs> I was thinking about the neck-biting thing, which happens... Like, really, like, uh, Cassian, like, really thinks about biting uh, Nesta's neck in the wing... the embers and wings bonus chapter in one of the first editions of Akamath. Something really... that I think I talked about in the Azriel episode, and I, I really hope I did. I might have forgotten. Um, is that... Cassian can glamour himself, or he does at least in this bonus chapter. We don't know if bonus chapters are, you know, technically canon or not. Um, that's never really been, that's kind of like an open-ended question, because there are some times where, like, things are mentioned in a bonus chapter. But, like, since it's not easily accessible for everybody, does that make it canon? That'd be a really great question for Sarah J. Maas herself. But in the bonus chapter, and you can find it online, like, even just, like, a printout of it, you can, like, it's, like, clear as day. Like, not even, like, the crappy pictures of, like, bonus chapters for, like, the other books. But it's called um, Embers and Wings or something like that. Um, It's a really big bonus chapter. It has a lot of really great information in it about the, like, history of, like, Asriel and more and all this stuff. Um, But in the beginning of it, Cassian kind of glamours himself against the humans, and he, like, not sneaks around, but, like, he hides himself from the human servants in the Archeron house when they're still human. And him and Nesta have, like, a really, um, like, sexually charged uh, encounter, and it bounces between their POVs. It's um, really cool. But that's never mentioned in the books, we never see the Illyrians glamour themselves like that, like, for stealth reasons. It's never said if Asriel does it, like, with his shadow singings or with his Illyrian powers. Like, it's ne- it's kind of just, like, you know, is that how Reese does it when he's spying? So, I don't know if I should even, like, maybe I should have just conveniently forgot about it. I don't know. But in the bonus chapter, it does talk about him, high- like, literally glamouring himself being invisible, essentially. To the humans, and that's never like <laughs> never talked about again. Uh, there's a few things that like never talked about. Um, and I think that's it, I think that's all I have to say. Um, aside from the fact that most Illyrian blades are dark, very similar to like how Truth Teller is dark, which I do find interesting. Which I think Truth Teller is has a black blade because it killed a world power, and we have a whole episode on that. Um, but I, I wanted to note that Feyre's, um, Illyrian blade was described as, like, a dark metal. Um, so I did want to point that out. (sighs) Okay. I think that's all I have to say on the Illyrians. I kind of other, I, I didn't think there was going to be more, but I, I didn't think there would be any less either. I think this was, like, the, I wasn't, sometimes I, I, I'm like, I want to do an episode on this, and then I start building the episode, I'm like, ah, is that enough for an entire episode? And sometimes I'm like, this is a lot for an episode. And I think today was like, okay, this is the right amount of information. Um, And, you know, I could go even deeper on, like, the whole, you know. But I already did episodes on, like, the stars and stuff. But I think mostly I just wanted to talk about how, like, these are their powers. This is where they are. They have these tattoos. They have these powers. They do connect other places in the SJM universe. They're... The last like mountain we haven't been under is in Illyria. So <clears throat> when Bryce comes into play, when Bryce comes into into a court of silver flame or into a court, into Akatar, we don't have a direct like timeline yet. When fir- when Sarah was first writing um, the first the second fourth draft of um, Hofas. She said it was gonna be like like a couple of months from the ending of Akasif, um so like, but I don't know if that's changed because she did rewrite House of Flame and Shadow um but that would so they end Akasif in spring. How wild is it that Nyx is born, like, when the stars were all lined up? Hmm. Suspicious. Anyways, um, and then a couple of months would bring him, like, again to, like, fallish winter, depending on how long Bryce is there. Like, she could see Starfall, could see the blood, right? But they make a point to say that no one is allowed on Ramil unless it's the blood, right? And seeing how Ramil, like, has the monolith and all the stuff that, like, ties back to definitely HOSAB, um, all that stuff, I do wonder how that's going to play out. Um, are they going to, like, sneak to it by going underneath it with, like, Eris? Are they just going to, like, drop, like, I have a feeling that they need to go there for a reason. If anything, that, like, the monolith will, like, bring her home, maybe. Um, but if they're not allowed on it, and unless it's, like, the blood right, what will happen? And if they do go on it, and the Illyrians know that Reese casts as the, the, you know, the inner circle was in on it, they have mentioned so often how precarious the relationship that they have with the Illyrians are, and how, like, one, like, like, they're, they're always kind of, like, close to a, you know, like, revolt or, you know, breaking away from the Nightcore and from Reese's power, and this could be the thing that breaks them. It's, like, the implications of it could be really bad. I don't know. I'd say, I I know, like, that sounds kind of, like, way deep and, like, whatever, but in my head it kind of makes sense because they just talk about so often, like, how you're not supposed to go on it and how and act as if they're talking about going underneath it and how there's the monolith on top and, like, all this stuff, and I don't know, it kind of, like... It kind of makes me nervous about what could happen. Azriel would sure be happy about it. That's all I... And, you know what? If it makes Azzy happy, then, you know, he can do whatever he wants. Steal, arson, like, I don't care. As long as he's happy. You know? <laughs> Okay. That's all I have to say. I'm starting to lose my voice again. I didn't, I'm, I'm feeling so much better. Can you even hear it in my voice? I waited as long as I could to record because I started to feel better. Um, but I am starting to lose my voice again (laughs) because I started talking for too long. So I'm going to jump off now before I start hacking on, uh, on, onto my microphone. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a really great week. Um, I don't know, I don't know quite, I have a few episodes, like, up in the air that I've started doing notes on, but I haven't, like, finished any notes, so I don't know what's coming next. it would be surprised for both of us. I do know that we only have, like, five for sure episodes, I think, and then there's going to be, like, one or two bonus episodes that, so, like, one week we'll actually have, like, two episodes, I think, if I can do it right, and then the month of January... Is going to be recap episodes of the series, um, which I think is going to be really, 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 really fun to do. Like specific like series important things. I've been creating like as I do my rereads, like sections and chapters that I think um, you should like reread before House of Flame and Shadow. But I'm basically going to do that in audio form for you guys. So that's what January looks like. And I'm hoping to get um, a few, like, bonus episodes up that are just, like, fun chaosy things just to, like, get the hype rolling for House of Flame and Shadow. I, w- I would knock on wood, but, like, we, we haven't gotten any, like, um, you know, like, teasers or anything like that. So I guess I'll have to be the hype train for House of Flame and Shadow um, getting us all ready and excited for it. As if we're not already excited and ready for it. But I think that's what I want those kind of, like, fun, chaos episodes to be. That'll happen at the end of December, so I'm just gonna have to get us, you know, whatever. So I don't know what's coming next week because I got a lot of things I'm trying to do all at the same time, and you guys know me. I am chaos incarnate, so, like, nothing ever happens in a linear fashion. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Okay, that's all I have to say. Goodbye.